Welcome to Wise Health for Women Radio with Linda Prater. Women are pressed daily to give more, learn more, and be more, often at the expense of mind, body, or spirit. Each week with intriguing guests and topics, we'll bring you fresh ways to view your limited time, encouraging a shift to new, healthier perspectives. Wise Health for Women Radio, helping women thrive. And now here's your host, Linda Prater. It is so great to be with you today. I'm Linda Crater, and you're listening to Wise Health for Women Radio. We have a wonderful guest today talking about a topic that is rarely discussed. And we're going to be talking to Jackie Silver today about the Diabetic Ultimate Beauty Guide. The, the funny part is that people know about diabetes and know that there are ways to manage and to take care of yourself with diabetes. More than 100 million U.S. adults now are living with diabetes or pre-diabetes. And yet, I think there are things that people are unaware of in terms of how the health condition puts a strain on your daily life and can show up in the way you look. And so Jackie is going to be talking to us about her guide that she'd written, the Diabetic Ultimate Beauty Guide. Because let's face it, when you're managing a medical condition, looking your best, feeling your best, being confident, and knowing how to avoid or mitigate skin changes, hair changes, etc., will really make a difference in your life. So I would love to welcome Jackie Silver to Wise Health for Women Radio. Welcome, Jackie. Well, thank you so much. It's such an honor and a pleasure to be here, and I really appreciate you inviting me, and thank you for that wonderful intro. Well, I think it's fascinating that, you know, when you're faced with medical conditions of any type, and this is a very prevalent one in the United States, obviously, um, even when you say prediabetes, covering things like metabolic syndrome and all kinds of different problems that are out there, people only manage the medical aspects of things and tend to put aside the parts of themselves that give them confidence and good health. And when you have a positive mental outlook because you're confident in the way you look and feel, it makes a big difference. And so I was very intrigued when we were connected and started to talk about diabetic skincare beauty. And it really makes a difference. I, I'm fascinated and I'm really eager to learn more. How did you get into this? Well, I want to mention that I am not a doctor. I just play one on TV. Well, <laughs> and the radio, uh, and the radio. <laughs> but um, I'm not a doctor. But I have been in the beauty business for the past ten years, and I've written mm-hmm. two books and about five hundred to maybe a thousand articles on the topic of beauty and skincare and hair care and all of the topics that come under the beauty umbrella. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I am in my late fifties, but I'm constantly being mistaken for much younger. In fact, oh, how horrid! How horrid! Have, I don't know if you've heard of the app or the um, website HowOld.net. No, but it's a cute little thing that Microsoft has out that you can upload a photo and it tells you how old the person in the photo looks. So every once in a while, uh. I just upload a photo and see and. Most recently, I had one that said I looked 31 when I'm almost 60. And these are not, yeah, these are not professional photos. They're just photos, selfies on my iPhone. So, you know, I kind of have uh, some legitimacy here when I talk about beauty and looking your best and staying young. So I just wanted to bring that up, not to brag, even though it's thrilling when I see those results, but to let people know that, you know, I'm with you, I've been there, and I have worked on this. And isn't it true, though, that when you are given a medical diagnosis of any type, you focus first on managing the condition, but there are trickle-down effects of almost every condition. And I love that we can talk very candidly about this because there are infections you need to avoid. You, there's, there's a lot of practicality that most physicians don't have the time to talk to you about today. So while you may not be a physician, they don't have time to talk about those aspects either. They're there to keep your blood sugar stable, to make sure you're healthy. But the other parts are your quality of life. 
Absolutely. And I want to also preface it by saying that I have not been diagnosed with diabetes nor pre-diabetes, but my um, best friend was diagnosed with diabetes in her late 30s. She's mm -hmm. now in her mid-40s. My husband's late mother and brother both had diabetes. My own mother is diabetic. So mm -hmm. I have been around this. Uh, everyone in my family is doctors. I have been around this condition for a long time and I have researched it and looked into it. And you're right. The first thing that happens when people are diagnosed with diabetes is they go crazy on their A1C and checking mm -hmm. their blood and all of those mm -hmm. things. And of course you have to change your diet and that's something that is a number one, the most important thing in the beginning. And you have to start an exercise program and, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of newness to being diagnosed with diabetes or pre-diabetes. And the last thing you want to do is forget about the part that you're not concentrating on. You don't want to be concentrating on your looks. People might say it's shallow to be worrying about how you look when you've just been diagnosed with this medical condition. But why shouldn't we look our best? Because numerous studies show that when you look better, you feel better. In fact, the American Cancer Society has a program called Look Better, Feel Better. Well, it helps the health outcomes because you feel more positive. You are filled with gratitude. You are just a more uh, reframed perspective on, okay, you have this condition, but it's under control and you are going to do your best to live with it and thrive. And that's really what we try and do on Wise Health for Women Radio. We help women thrive. And it is such a prevalent condition that I found that this topic was really interesting and I'm glad we're sharing this with our listeners. So when you or when you talk about a a beauty routine and you talk about writing this diabetic ultimate beauty guide, what started you along that road? Were you just fascinated by the process? Or again, you said you had family members there, but did you notice differences that you thought could be mitigated by the things you were teaching? Well, I think the first thing that started me down this road of writing the Diabetic Ultimate Beauty Guide was when I saw that shocking statistic that you mentioned earlier. Mm. That was the start. More than 100 million U.S. adults have been diagnosed with diabetes or pre-diabetes. And I have another shocking statistic also. Okay. Globally, not just in the U.S., but globally, in 1980, there were about 108 million people with the disease. That was globally. Remember, we just said 100 million yes. Americans now. And by 2014, globally, this number had risen to 422 million people. Oh, my. 422 million people in the world. That's a lot of people. And I just felt compelled to do something, any little thing that I could do to help people. And since I'm not a doctor, I said, What am I an expert at? Well, I've been called a beauty expert for the last 10 years by all kinds of uh, publications and internet uh, gurus. And so I said, that's something that I can do. I can research the effects that diabetes has on your beauty, and I can help people figure out how to manage these effects. You know, let's start with the most basic, because that's first when you have been diagnosed. Foods. What nutrition? can you do eat or not eat that will affect you in a positive fashion or a negative one because that's important to know too well number one of course your doctor will tell you to be checking your blood sugar and to avoid sugar mm -hmm. so what the diabetes diet is, the Mayo Clinic says, that a diabetes diet is a healthy eating plan that's naturally rich in nutrients, low in fat, and low in calories. There is an interesting study that just recently came out. I'm not saying people should do this because it's pretty much undoable, and you can ask your doctor about it, but they, they actually found out that People, even people who've had diabetes for 10 years can reverse diabetes by moving a tiny amount of fat out of their pancreas. How do you do that, though? It requires a substantial weight loss. Mm. And the thing is, they found out that you would have to eat 
about 600 calories a day for eight weeks. I mean, seriously, who can do that? And don't do that unless you check with your doctor. But that is something that they found out. The thing that the reason why I bring that up is because that's actually encouraging that type two diabetes can be reversed. And and people Mm -hmm. have managed it and gotten it under control by changing their diet and adding exercise. People who know me and, and have followed my work for the past 11 years know that my mantra is exercise is the fountain of youth. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't want to hear that because exercise is a dirty word to some people, Mm -hmm. but I want to, I just want to say and give people a, a, a tip for, for exercising and enjoying it more. And that is, it's really all about starting. Mm -hmm. It's about, it's, it's not even about the exercise. It's about sitting on your couch and then getting up and starting because, you know, I have lazy days. I've been exercising since age 17 and I have lazy days, but I just put on my cutest outfit and my exercise shoes and I get up and start. I think it's important. I, I have another tip that I will give is that I put exercise equipment way of other things I need to do. So I have to do something. So whether it's weights in the bathroom or a, a one of those big exercise balls in the family room, it, it, there's really never an excuse because there's something within arm's reach for me to go do. So whatever trick works for you, <laughs> by all means do it. But exercise, once you start, you feel so much better. And then it becomes a habit, just like anything else that you can do and makes sense. But I agree with you. And those two things, exercise and nutrition, are typically what the physicians and the associates will tell you to do to get things under control. And then once you have things under control and you understand what you're looking it's nice then to focus on how you can make yourself look and feel your confident best. We are going to go on a short break and we'll be back. You're listening to Wise Health for Women Radio. We're talking with Jackie Silver and we will be back after these messages. We're Wise Health for Women Radio and we'll return after these short messages. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Did you know that the average teenager drinks twice as much soda as milk? Since 1983, sugar consumption in the U.S. is up 28%. Why is that? There are several reasons, but one of the most common is soft drinks. 20-ounce beverages have become the norm, and it's not surprising to find that 43% of our sugar comes from drinks. Sugar is blamed for poor nutritional diets. USDA data shows that people whose diets are high in added sugar eat less calcium, fiber, iron, protein, and many other important nutrients. Fat-free foods are also a culprit. Since sugar is fat-free, many people tend to think it's okay to eat as much as they want. Remember that just because a food is fat-free does not mean that it's calorie-free also. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Are you tired of your everyday run-of-the-mill hip-hop station that only plays what they want you to hear? Hell yeah. Tired of all the censorship and all the we can't say this and we can't talk about that? Beep, beep. Then make sure you tune into the speakeasy. There's no caps, there's no limits, there's no shut-ups, there's no peeps. Hip-hop, that is fine. Raw and uncut. The speakeasy. Well, this is the people's station, not the corporate station. Speakeasy. Hot topics, good music. The speakeasy. Live Friday at 5. The rabbit hole to the underground. Welcome back. We are talking with Jackie Silver today about care for your beauty if you have diabetes. And I think that one of the most basic things that we can talk about, which will really help a lot of our listeners, is what are some of the surprising skin changes you could possibly see and how do you avoid them? Well, good question. And one of the big skin changes when people are diagnosed with diabetes is extra, extra dry skin. 
And, you know, as we age, we get dry skin also, and that can be due to hormones and, you know, it could be due to your climate that you live in or not having enough uh, humidity or you can use a humidifier. But um, dry skin is a problem when it comes to uh, diabetes, and that's something that we want to work on. So one of the things you can do, number one, is, of course, you're going to stick with your diet. And oily fish is one of the wonderful uh, nutritious food items that your doctor will recommend. And oily fish, like salmon, is also really, really good for your skin. So what's great about that is you're kind of killing two birds with one stone, and I don't like that saying. But, <laughs> you know, it's been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. Another so condition is um, you can get brown spots or raised spots on your body at, you know, different locations. So that's something that you might want to ask your doctor about if you start to see these skin conditions. Mm -hmm. And is that common? It, it is very common, actually, to get spots or raised spots and, you know, darkening of the skin, sometimes thickening of the skin. These are all symptoms that, you know, they're not life-threatening, of course, but it's just something that you want to point out to your doctor if you're having these side effects. And certainly there are also issues of aging. So are you saying that everybody has these with diabetes or could potentially have these? Or are you saying that because people are being diagnosed younger, you may be seeing these non-age-related symptoms? I, that's a great question, and I think it's a combination of both of those things. Like as people are being diagnosed younger, you mm -hmm. may be seeing these uh, skin conditions that you wouldn't expect on somebody who are, who's younger. But like some of the things you can do is to avoid very, very hot baths and showers. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't use bubble bath. Like if you are taking a bath, you might want to use like a, like a, a bath oil instead of a bubble bath. It's more of a soapy thing that's drying mm -hmm. out your skin and, you know, try to uh, avoid scratching and itching. You could get itchy skin. That's going to happen anyway with, you know, fall and winter coming. Mm -hmm. So all of these kinds of things compound your skin issues, and, and then they're extra compounded with aging and diabetes. So these are just natural things that you could notice that, you know, you can use like an oatmeal bath, or you can use bath oils, you can use coconut oil, organic coconut oil mm -hmm. on your skin, but be very careful when you're using organic coconut oil because it's extremely slippery. If you use it on your feet, you could slip in the bathroom. If you use it in your shower or your bath, you could slip, but it does go right into your skin because it's a medium chain fatty acid. So it is more absorbable mm -hmm. than like say an olive oil. So those are good things that you can do. And I would presume that, you know, after you get out of a not hot, but a warm shower, you know, just dry off minimally and then putting on the oil, that would help to seal in some of the moisture, wouldn't it? Yes, and actually you can even stay a little bit damp. I mean, you said dry off minerally. You don't even have to dry off. You could just start the oil. You know, coconut oil is solid in its cold mm -hmm. state, but you could melt a tiny bit, very, very short time in the microwave so it's not hot. Mm -hmm. You can melt a little bit of oil, and then you could just put it on your wet body, and it'll just kind of go right in and feel so good and make your skin just love, love the feeling. This is a nice winter tip. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. You know, just one other little skin thing I want to mention that's uh -huh. uh, more, more important when you have diabetes than not diabetes is when you get little cuts. You know, normally we get a little cut, you know, maybe we are, go to the manicurist and they give us a little nick with the with the clippers or you get mm -hmm. a little paper cut is that you, you have to really keep an eye on these little cuts because having diabetes can make them worse. Make them worse or create infection sites? It, uh, yeah. All of the above, you know, you can get an infection. It can take longer to heal. You know, you just want to keep track of them. And, and that kind of goes to the next topic, which I don't know if you were going to bring up, but I kind of segue right to it, which is your feet. Because I did mention going to the manicurist, but, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people are also going to be getting a pedicure when they go to, uh, you know, the manicurist. 
And diabetic foot, I'm sure that a lot of people have heard of it, but many people may not have heard of diabetic foot. And it's a real condition that is very, very prevalent among diabetics. You know, your circulation can be less when you're diabetic. And I mean, people, I I don't even want to say this out loud, but yes, people do end up getting amputations because of diabetes and diabetic foot. So it is so, so, so important to take care of your feet. Well, and your skin in general when you have diabetes, because as you say, you know, the skin is our largest organ. And so it just leaves you wide open to infection if you're not taking care, but feet especially, I think, is stressed in most diabetes, um, you know, the pamphlets that they give out at the doctors and that kind of thing. But is there anything special someone with diabetes should do when they are getting a manicure or a pedicure? Absolutely. And the number one thing to do is to bring your own tools. Okay. You know, I know that a lot of these um, places do sterilize their equipment, But um, even I, who do not have diabetes or prediabetes, I always bring my own tools. I even bring my own nail polish, my Mm -hmm. own primer, my own top coat, my own color. Because, you know, how many different nails those nail polishes are touching. Mm -hmm. And, you know, your nails are porous as well. They're, Mm -hmm. They're not, you know, they're not. They feel impervious, right? Right. They're not impervious to bacteria and fungus, you know. They always talk about people getting fungus under their toenails at the, uh, you know, pedicure or whatever. So bring your own tools and bring your own polishes, primers, and top coat. Would you recommend that people tell the manicurist or pedicurist that they do have diabetes? You know, I don't think that that is going to make a difference. I think you have to take charge of your own care when it comes to something like that. And, you know, truthfully, I wouldn't even recommend going to a pedicure uh, place like out in the mall. A podiatrist is really the right person when you have diabetes is to go to a foot doctor, a podiatrist, and let them take care of your feet. That's what I would, that's what I would do if I had the condition. It's pretty scary when you think the alternative is amputation. Absolutely. And of course, that's not, we don't want to alarm people, Mm-mm. but uh, you know, you, you, you know that that is something that down the road could happen and you want to avoid that at all costs. Absolutely. And I know that while we're on the topic of going to outside places for care, talk about diabetic hair loss, because that's always upsetting. Whether anyone has cancer treatment or there are other serious conditions that Uh, where you can lose hair it's always upsetting and women but how do you combat diabetic hair loss well one of the reasons why people get diabetic hair loss is that the condition causes blood vessels to narrow and that provides less oxygen to the blood that causes hair thinning and hair loss so one simple thing that you can do is to give yourself good hair massages I just, it sounds it sounds like like it couldn't really do anything, but it sounds like you know, heaven. <laughs> yeah, it does, right? I think my and favorite any, part about the salon is getting my hair washed. Exactly, anything that increases the blood flow, and mm-hmm. this may sound really woo woo, but um, you can also breathe deeply in through your nose and imagine the oxygen flowing throughout your head, your scalp. Um, I love to talk about Dr. John Sarno, MD, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he wrote um, a number of books about healing your own back pain, but my favorite book, which I call my Bible, is called The Mind-Body Prescription by John Sarno, MD. Mm -hmm. I I found out that he passed away in um, June this past year at age 93, Mm. Um, but he was... An absolute genius. Some people said that he should have won the Nobel Prize for his research on the mind-body connection. And one of the uh, main uh, premises of his theories, and it's not just theories because he did the research on thousands of patients over 40 years or more, was that pain is caused by oxygen deprivation. Hmm. So if you can 
breathe the oxygen into your back and relieve the pain, I say you could breathe the oxygen into your scalp and into your skin and help open up those blood vessels. That's just my theory. Well, the interesting thing about visualization is you use it as as Olympic athletes. You use it for high-performance activities. You use it to calm and meditation. I mean, there is a huge connection between mind and body, and it makes sense that that would... It certainly can do no harm, and I think that's the really interesting part, and I also believe strongly in the positive like you are helping yourself chances are good that you are exactly and and just to add one little thing because we were talking about oily fish good for your skin Mm -hmm. but also studies show that almonds are really good for your hair and nails so you can eat almonds and know that that's something that you're doing that's good for yourself that's also a diabetic friendly food but by the way this the uh nutrition facts the portion size of almonds is six. Oh, I thought it was seven. <laughs> oh, see, I thought it was seven. I was magic seven is what I've always listened to, but six or seven is right. right. Six I'm or afraid, seven, yeah. not sixty or seventy. No, and and it's always disappointing when you look at the portion on the back of a bag, and it says you know portions, and you're thinking, oh, I thought this was like three. So no, you're absolutely right, but. Uh, nuts have wonderful fats in them that can really help with skin. It doesn't surprise me that that helps with um, diabetic dry skin conditions and things like that. So that's amazing. So anything else you want to throw in? We've got to go on another break, but is there any other tip that you want to throw in about skin changes and how to avoid them? We can always continue after the break. Well, just quickly, staying on hair for a second, but low iron levels can lead to hair thinning and hair loss. And a lot of times people who have diabetes have low iron. So you can add beans, kidney beans, lentils, and pinto beans, and those are all diabetic friendly. Love it. Perfect timing, too. We are talking with Jackie Silver, and we're going on a quick break. You're listening to Wise Health for Women Radio. We'll be back after these messages. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. It's words you never heard. Have you noticed that no matter how carefully you put the Christmas lights away, they still come out all cringle-crangled and jitterty-jitterty the next year? Christmas tree lights were invented in 1882 by Thomas Edison, and by 1900, these miniature versions of his electric light bulb were being advertised to the public. In 1895, Grover Cleveland proudly sponsored the first electrically lit Christmas tree in the White House, featuring more than a hundred multicolored lights. By the next Christmas, members of high society were hosting flambustious Christmas tree parties. Of course, in those early days, the services of a wireman had to be obtained, as many people had considered electricity as a bit of a bugaboo. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Word. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. There are two types of diabetes, type 1 and type 2. CNN reports that type 2, or adult-onset diabetes, develops over time due to low activity levels and a poor diet that causes excess body weight. The Centers for Disease Control states that 26 million Americans have diabetes and they estimate that 79 million people in the United States over the age of 20 have elevated glucose levels or prediabetes. Diabetes can lead to kidney failure, blindness, lower limb amputations, heart disease, and stroke. The good news is that type 2 diabetes is for the most part preventable. Exercise and good healthy eating is the way to avoid diabetes in your life. Make good food choices and stay physically active. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond.
welcome back. We're continuing our discussion with Jackie Silver. And on the break, we were talking about some makeup things that needed to be minded because of diabetes. And one of these was expiration dates. And I happen to be particularly bad on the, quote, rules for when you toss your lipstick, when you toss your mascara, etc. But talk about how that important that is for someone with diabetes. Well, most everyone has heard you should toss your used mascara after three months. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of us are pretty reluctant to do that when mascara costs $10, dollars $35. Huh? But with, with diabetes, a diagnosis of diabetes can also bring a common eye problem that's called diabetic retinopathy. Mm. And it is a leading cause of blindness in American adults. And so you can, you know, when you have diabetic retinopathy, it damages the tiny blood vessels inside your retina. And um, you could end up with surgery. You could have laser treatments. And, you know, you want to avoid these things as much as possible. So one of the ways to avoid diabetic retinopathy, not to add to it, actually, would be to really take care of your makeup and especially eye makeup. People don't think that um, eyeshadow would have any reason to, you know, be thrown out. But every time you rub that eyeshadow over your eyelid, you have tiny microscopic bacteria and, you know, germs, I'll just simplify it, <laughs> that are, live in your skin. And, you know, when you use that, the oils get in it from your skin that mixes with the bacteria. So, of course, the mascara is obvious, but, you know, eyeshadow, eyeliner, especially if you line your waterline, you know, that part that's mm-hmm. right on the inside under your I eye. I don't. I'm not that talented. <laughs> well, I have <laughs> done that my entire life. And um, the preservatives that are in makeup, they don't last forever. So bacteria can get in there and the preservatives might not be working. And that's one of the ways people develop pink eye. Oh, and one thing for sure, never, ever, ever use a tester in a store, ever. Mm. You know, it would be better to buy the item for $10 or $15 or $20 and find out you don't like it and get rid of it. Or some stores might Bring take it back. It, right. right. Some stores might take it back. Some stores don't. But um, never use the testers. I mean, even with lipstick, not just eye makeup. People have reported catching uh, herpes from lipstick. You don't not. Oh, no, you don't want to use those testers in the store. I stopped using those when I was a teenager. I'm sorry. I'm still caught up on the the, <laughs> the thought of all the bacteria and the, the way that, well, you know how when someone's walking around, they're usually walking around with a, a spray atomizer or something like that. Thankfully, they don't seem to walk around doing that. And most makeup places, although I'm such an online shopper these days, but if I'm in a store, they're using tools, you know, cotton uh, swab things to, to touch it. But you're, you're right. If you have the propensity towards infections, you're much better off using the sealed container that gives you that assurance. Well, right. And, you know, you're talking about like these makeup artists at the stores, but mm-hmm. they may pick up a brand new Q-tip or a brand new sponge that's never been used, but they're dipping it right into the eyeshadow, the eyeliner, all the things that they've double dipped, I call it, you mm-hmm. know. And so I wouldn't even trust that. I really wouldn't. I just, uh, like you, I shop online a lot. And and one of the things that people can do to try new products is, you know, a subscription box. You can get like a birch box, say, for $10 a month. And you every month you get all kinds of new little trial things. Of course, I, I've been a member of birch box for about six years or who knows how long. So I have kind of like a garbage can size bin filled <laughs> with with samples of products. So I don't really even have to go out and try any samples or buy any beauty products. That's the beauty of one of those um, subscription boxes. Mm -hmm. Now, what about brushes for somebody with diabetes? If you clean your brushes regularly, does that minimize the potential of spreading bacteria from your finger to the eyeshadow to your eye? 
Oh, yes. You must clean your brushes, whether you have diabetes or not. And one, one of my favorite tips for cleaning your brushes and your sponges, mm-hmm. you don't have to throw away sponges just because they look used or dirty. You can wash them. And my favorite product, I am not paid by this company. They don't know me from Adam. <laughs> but my favorite product for washing makeup, sponges, and brushes is Dawn Dish Detergent. That's what gets the natural grease and oils from your skin out of your products. If it can get oil out of a duck from an oil spill, it can get the oil out of your products. Oh, that was beautifully said. I think you should be a spokesperson for them. (laughs) Let them know. (laughs) (laughs) If you can get oil out of a duck. But I have seen those commercials, and they are using – that is a a very illustrative – you made good job i love that so using brushes making sure it's clean tossing things when they tell you to toss them and those that's an easy google search these days you know what is the when should i toss this out what about dental care oh so important because you know a lot of studies have shown that uh, bacteria in your mouth can detach and travel and give you a heart attack. I, I've seen um, studies that have debunked that, but I've seen that study listed over and over again. And you right. have to be just so careful, even when, if you don't have diabetes, but especially if you do or if you're pre-diabetic, to make sure you floss, to make sure you're brushing, you know, to make sure you're seeing your dentist regularly because you want to catch these problems before they happen. You don't want to end up with a problem that's going to exacerbate your diabetes or make anything worse. Catch it early. That's the best advice for any kind of condition. Absolutely. Well, there's a very close tie between cardiac health and dental care. And, you know, as you mentioned, flossing and bacteria, it's it's very prevalent and well-studied. And so tossing your toothbrush at the recommended time is also probably a very good thing to pay attention to. So as you're looking at all of these various things, what are the problems that people have confessed to you that they find the most troubling about a diagnosis of diabetes and their beauty care? What do they miss? What do they wish they could do? Or how do you help them work around that? Well, I think most people um, are quite shocked when they're diagnosed because nobody thinks it's going to happen to them. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that people have to do is they have to change their diet and they have to add exercise. And exercise doesn't have to be something that you detest and something that's too hard. You know, so many studies show just walking. Now they have all those Fitbit and Apple Watch and all those different uh, apparatus that you can get that can monitor your steps and make it fun for you and monitor your heart rate and make it fun exercise i think what people should do is change their mind you don't even have to change <laughs> yeah you have to change your mind when it comes to exercise i mm-hmm. love exercise i've exercised non-stop since I was 17, except when I um, gave birth to my son via C-section, so I couldn't exercise for six weeks. But guess what? I probably defied my doctor's orders and started even a little early on that. But mm, even at I my did the age, same. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, right? I did the same. Yep. It, it's, it's like medicine. It's like, it's like nature's medicine to exercise. Even now, I, my husband and I play racquetball. Racquetball is a mm. young sport. It's a hard charging it's a hard hard one. Right. sport. We play racquetball. You know, he's 59, I'm 58, and we just love it so much. But one thing I noticed is you do not see women my age in the racquetball court very often. I'm so lucky because I have one a racquetball partner. Her name is Jane, and she's 65, a retired police officer. Mm-hmm. And I feel so blessed to have her as an alternative person to play racquetball with other than my husband because he's 6'3", and he can get across the court in one step, and I have to oh. run six steps to catch up with, with him. So, you know that's something that's so fun, you don't even realize you're exercising. And guess what? The experts now say that, you know, interval type, you know. Right. um, Yeah, those kinds of exercises that get your heart rate up for a very short burst, but very high, and then stop and rest. And racquetball is just that exact type of exercise. Well, I think what you're bringing up are two things. One, if you have an accountability partner, some do things 
someone to encourage you on the day you don't feel like going and you to do the same for them. That truly helps. But isn't it also true that finding an exercise that you enjoy, and if enjoy is not the right word, that you can still embrace, really makes a difference because not everyone's going to want to play racquetball. I don't particularly like running. I went through a running phase. I didn't particularly like it. But when you find something that you do like and can make it a habit, you're going to stick with it. Absolutely. And most everybody that I have ever met in my entire life likes dancing. And uh-huh. that's why, that is exactly why Zumba is so popular because in, you don't even know you're exercising. I don't do Zumba, but then I play racquetball, you know. But <laughs> for people who love to dance, those kinds of classes, and you don't need classes. If you do, can't afford the gym or you don't want to drive to the gym, Turn every, on YouTube. Yeah, every app, every every website, every YouTube, just find dancing and dance. That's really one of the best things you can do. Well, even the dancing in the kitchen, you, there are songs that make all of you move. I mean, they, they just are, and they often play them at weddings in a whole streak of about six or seven songs that nobody can resist and get up and dance to. There's something very exuberant about that. And I, I think we've been doing it as long as we've been, you know, peopled on the earth and it, it pulls people together. And that that's another piece is that you don't usually have music when you're doing racquetball and you certainly don't when I'm out rollerblading on our trail, but otherwise music can lift you and make you move in a way that sometimes nothing else can. But I strongly encourage everybody to have someone who is their partner whether it's accountability or just a fun friend partner, um, walking your dog, anything that's going to get you out and moving. Because once you start moving, chances are good you'll stay moving. And that's the whole thing about a habit. It takes a while to become one. So I love that. When we come back, we're going to talk with with, um, Jackie about how to pick the right wardrobe when your weight may be fluctuating as a diabetic. And so we will come back and talk about how to make you look great no matter what phase you are after your diagnosis and as your man. We're going to take a short break. You can find more shows at wisehealthforwomenradio.com. And we'll be back to talk further with Jackie right after these messages. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. Martha Sanchez, the host of the Mobby to Mogul Radio Show, empowering women to build a successful business, invites you to join her on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. At the ripe age of five, she was already interpreting information in documents and instructions on forms for her immigrant parents. Now, through her experience and those of her guests, she provides you with valuable steps to empower you to reach financial independence. Martha A. Sanchez is a registered nurse with a Bachelor in Nursing and Master's of Business administration. She's a business coach, speaker, author, and CEO of Moss International, LLC. Her diverse work experience brings you expertise in areas essential to customer service, social media, and budgeting. The Mommy to Mogul radio show furthers her personal mission of empowering women to help them build successful businesses so they can reach financial independence. Join Martha Sanchez, the host of the Mommy to Mogul radio show, Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's Derek Thompson, co-founder of the Save the Elephant Foundation, was taking a rescued elephant named Kam La for a walk along the river. As they were walking, Derek decided to stop and take a dip in the water. But when he called to Kamla, who was waiting on the shore, the elephant thought he was in trouble and came running to his rescue. Kamla charged through the water, sheltering him with her body and offering her trunk for him to hold on to. What's another word for a trained elephant? A kunki. Elephant trainers in Asia are known as mahouts. And the padded seat or saddle used to ride on an elephant is called a howda. Kamla and her mother, Bai Tui, are among the 70 elephants the foundation has rescued since its inception. It's 
I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back. We are talking further with Jackie Silver, and I mentioned we would talk about the foolproof method for picking your best wardrobe, but we were talking on the break about find an exercise that works for you because that will help all of these conditions that come along with diabetes, growing older, just being your best healthy self. And you know, any weight loss, that's a that's a gain. That's that's wonderful. But it's not really wellness you're seeking. It is just a, a a piece of it. So find an exercise program that you like and that you suit. And I think you'll find that you're really glad you did it. And I find somebody to go with me generally. And I think that's fun because there, there is an epidemic in this country of those who are overweight and unhappy and misdiagnosed. So let's move to the positive parts about those who are working to exercise and eat right with their diabetes and talk about your methods for picking the best wardrobe while you may be fluctuating. Um, I do want to talk about that, Linda, but I want to go back one more second sure. to what you just said about uh, your, what I say. <laughs> you, you said something wonderful, which everything you say is wonderful, and I'm enjoying this so much. And thank you again for having me. My pleasure. But you said you find someone to do it with and not everybody has the luxury of finding someone to do it with. So I want to relate one quick little story that I decided to do yoga last year. I was under a lot of stress due to Mm -hmm. some personal problems that were happening in my life. And I said, you know what, I'm going to do yoga. And so my husband and I decided to do it. And all we did was we went on YouTube And we found this nice, gentle beginner's yoga that was good for us. Now, I have done a lot of yoga, Mm -hmm. but because he was willing to do it with me, I said, okay, we'll go to the beginner yoga. But that's not even part of the story. The story is (laughs) we did this yoga with this YouTube trainer every day. I Mm -hmm. can't even think of her name right now. But after doing it for a few weeks, I felt like she was my friend. And Uh I felt like I knew her. I even tweeted her on Twitter. Right. Because I felt like we were friends from two, not like a stalker type. (laughs) You know, I'm just saying, if you don't have someone to work out with, you can go on YouTube and you can actually make a virtual friend to work out with. Now back to the topic of (laughs) (laughs) No, but you you are right. And and sometimes you have to self-motivate, but you can find these online partnerships or or programs or shows. And uh, one I really enjoy is Sweat Flicks, which is just like it sounds. And it comes in beginner and intermediate and uh, high-intensity um, interval training, it comes in all kinds of flavors. And so there are amazing resources for us at, at this day and age, and, and we are really blessed to have that. So let's go to picking your wardrobe when you may be fluctuating weights. That's not an easy Right. And of course, people who are diagnosed with diabetes, a lot of times they are losing weight based on their new way of eating and new way of exercising and what their doctor has advised them. And, you know, what's interesting is that no two people are exactly alike. Even identical twins are subtly different. Mm -hmm. And so we're always trying to disguise any problems or things that we perceive as flaws in our bodies. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that people really kind of look at is their waist because some people are long-waisted. Some people are short-waisted. I- I'm very short-waisted. I always call it squatty body. I have long <laughs> legs for my for Negative my self-talk. <laughs> yeah. No, I say it in a good way. Squatty I'm kidding. Body. I don't mind. Yep. Uh, but, but I have long legs for my little squatty self. And so... <laughs> You know, I don't, I don't have the kind of waist like Kim Kardashian that goes in. I don't have that kind of waist and not everybody does have that. And some people are really tall and they have a long waist. So one of the things that you can do to accentuate the best look for you is you can try different belts. And so for short waisted people, uh, you can elongate, that would be someone like me, I can elongate my body by wearing kind of like a long tunic Mm -hmm. and nothing striped, but 
I can also hang a loose belt with my long tunic so it kind of hangs lower on the hips. It mm -hmm. makes me look like I have more of a waist. You know, if you're one of those people that has like a, a really long waist, you could try like a, a V-neck and, and that sort of detracts from the long waist. There's a lot of different things without going into every single detail because those... I go into a lot of detail on this in the book. It's, as you mentioned, the Diabetic Ultimate Beauty Guide. And it's just an e-booklet. So what's great about it is it's very inexpensive, $1.99. And it's mm -hmm. so filled with all kinds of beauty tips. I mean, you're getting way more than your money's worth. But it's easy to read and it's something that's downloaded or emailed to the person and it's just very simple, and there's so much that you can read about wardrobe and waist and short waist and long waist. So, you know, it's not something that I want to go into every detail about, but those are just a couple of the, you know, issues with people with their wardrobe because, you know, when you're starting to lose weight, you don't want to wear clothing that's just so loose on you. People erroneously think that if they wear clothes that are too big on them, it makes them look like they're losing weight. But actually fitted clothes make people look thinner. They make you look more put together. You see these blogs at these curvy girls, you know, they call them like curvy girl blogs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they are wearing form-fitting clothing, but they look beautiful. There was actually something in the news this week where a woman shamed a news reporter. She might have been a meteorologist, but she shamed her because she said that she was a size 16 reporter wearing a size six dress but you know what oh ouch. people yeah people leapt to her defense and I saw a picture of her and she looked beautiful and she looked confident yes she could have lost a little bit of weight but she looked healthy and she looked beautiful and I did not think that there was anything wrong with what she was wearing but yeah. what's you know, the song say haters gonna hate <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> exactly I I think that the Kindness is sorely lacking in our vernacular these days. So I go out of my way to make sure that I emphasize the kind things that I see because I think we can all improve on that one. That's a tough one. So when you're losing weight, I'm also assuming that you're talking about um, taking it slowly because no one really that I know of could afford to buy a wardrobe. They drop five to 10 pounds. And so you make you make do with these accessories and that kind of thing as you're losing the weight thank you for tuning in today you can find more shows at wisehealthforwomenradio.com